Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We cover all things Chicago Blackhawks, all things Detroit Red Wings, and then general news around the NHL. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about what's going on in Hawks world, what's going on in Wings world, and then probably the biggest story out of the NHL in a couple of years now, uh, basically the league putting the season on delay. What does that mean just for the league in general, the teams, the players, the draft, um, just a lot of things to talk about in regards to what's going to happen with the NHL due to this coronavirus, I guess, sort of hysteria that's going around right now nick let's start off in hawks world what's going on in hawks world this week for the hawks world we have the nicholas bodan call up and the brandon hagel call up adam boquist goes down with an injury and drake achula goes down with an injury the same game and then on the wing side of the podcast we're going to be talking about the fact that detroit finally clinched the uh, best chances at first overall although that's technically not true because the Ottawa Senators have two picks that could potentially land them in the top three. And then the fact that they've just sort of been coming alive this past week, not really looking like the wings of this season at all this last little stretch. But let's go ahead and just start with the Blackhawks this week, Nick. Let's go through one by one. So walk me through our topics. All right, so the bigger news of the week, uh, we had prize prospect Nicholas Bodan call up. Uh, if you guys don't remember, he was drafted in the 2018 draft. He was drafted along with Boquist. Boquist was the earlier pick in the first round, and then the Hawks drafted Bodan. So Bodan was, you know, he he's a guy that was were projected to top four. And the first game, uh, Duncan Keith had pretty good praise for him. He said he's very patient. He's poised. And he looks like he could be a good fit. And I, the way he played, I think he's ready for the NHL. I mean, I was excited for him to call up. You know, the Hawks kind of being out of things and everything like that. The Hawks should just give these younger guys a chance, and that's what they did. They called up Nicholas Bodin, and he was very impressive. I like the way he's, I like his game. He's offensive minded, but he plays a two way style game, so he could be a difference maker. And if and along with Luke, like Lucas Carlson, we called up a few weeks ago. If we have him, Boquist, and Bodan all work out, the Hawks' future decor is looking good right now because Bodan just shows like he's, he looks like he's NHL ready. He played a really good game against the Sharks, and they got a win from him. I, I thought his play was generally all around pretty well. I mean, obviously, Boquist at this time is the Hawks' best. I mean, I don't really want to say he's a prospect because I feel like he's basically established himself as an NHLer at this point, but. He's basically like he's your number one guy, and then with Seabrook out, it sort of leaves the Hawks in this position where they can start, I guess, doing like a cycle of players who they want to get looks at. Um, you say that the look that you guys got was a valid look, where you watch his play and you're looking for habits more than just actual production, because for defensemen. That's the thing, right? Like defensemen don't get on the score sheet every game. You're more looking for habits in their play. Like, do they chase hard for pucks? Are they able to close gaps? Like, what was the thing that stuck out for you in his game watching him? I think just how he was with the puck on his stick. Um, you know, young defensemen when they come to the NHL, they kind of try to do too much. Or they're a little worried and play a little panic game when the puck's on their stick. They just they don't want to do something wrong, so they kind of overthink it. He just looked very 
he looked very mature and looked just the way when the puck was on a stick, he was calm and easy about it and made the right play. And he really did nothing wrong. And that's what I liked about him just because the the jitters or whatever you want to call them, the yips, it didn't affect him. His first game, he looked like he was ready for it. And that's what I want. I mean, he's getting a chance. The Hawks are kind of out of it right now. So don't worry, just play your game. And that's what he did. He went out there, played and looked confident. So basically just sort of, he looked like the part. It wasn't one thing in particular that was just like an Excel point. Just everything sort of looked like it fit at once. Yes, exactly. That's exactly the case. I mean, just everything. He just looked like an everyday NHL defenseman. And that's what we want from him. I mean, he doesn't have to be a star right away. Just play your game, work your way up, and build that confidence going against NHL talent. And that's He made a hell of a start for his debut. And uh, go ahead and walk us through the other uh, player who got their, their little stint. And then Brandon Hagel was called up on an emergency basis. You know, he went, he's a okay prospect. Nothing really a guy we talk about often. So he got called up on an emergency basis due to Drake Kudula's injury, who I will get to later. Um, and he looked cool. He looked all right. I mean, nothing really too much about him. Uh but the coolest part was with Bodan and Hagel getting called up. They were the, right away they were thrown in the starting lineup. So I thought that was very cool of Jeremy Colleton to do, you know, the two young kids getting their call up and letting them get their moment to shine because they were announcing the starting lineups out for the opening faceoff, along with Kirby Dock and Dominic Kublik. So the Blackhawks had four rookies in the opening faceoff and then Duck and Keith, the younger to leave vet out there. So I thought that was a very cool moment and Good on Jeremy Carlton for letting the kids get some shine. Walk us through the rest of what's going on in Hawks World, though, because there was other stuff besides just the young kids playing. Yes, all right. So, well, speaking of young kids, Adam Boquist. So he was taking the puck out of the Blackhawks zone, the defensive zone, and he was along the boards, and Oscar Sundquist came out of nowhere with a deliberate elbow to Boquist. Looked like a look. It could have been worse, but Boquist hit the ice hard. It was a it should have been a game misconduct. Somehow, Sunquist only got two, and Ed looked brutal. I mean, he's in concussion protocol right now. And then Drake Kajula came in and kind of stuck up for him, and that's what resulted in Drake Kajula's injury because he had a hand injury from punching someone's face, and even though he got beat up pretty well too. So yeah, the Boquist injury scared me just because like we don't want to see these young guys get hurt in these opportunities. This is kind of like their moment to shine and. It sucked to see that kind of injury happen, and it looked definitely intentional. A reason even more to hate the Blues. So you guys ended up winning that game. We can talk about that. We're going to talk about that later in the episode. But, I mean, Boquist, I feel like, is the like the defensive player that the Hawks are really banking on the most to pan out. Like, he can score. He can read. He, I mean, he got time playing. What was it your guy's power play with Duncan Keith? Uh when they're paired together, right? Like it seems like they're trying to get him to be that jack of all trades defenseman, a guy who could replace Keith when Keith retires. Cause I mean, Keith's going to be out the door here eventually. So they need a player to step up and why not get a young kid who can do it? Yeah. They really do want him to be the jack of all trades. Like you said, they, the reason why they sent him down at the beginning of the year was to work on his defense because they don't want him just to be, a better version of Eric Gustafson. They want him to be an all-around great D-man. 
And it really looked like that was the case. He was playing really well this season. And like you said, he got looked, he became the power play quarterback, which is very good for him. I mean, it builds his confidence, builds his offensive talent too. He gets to showcase that a little bit. But now that this injury happened, I mean, granted, we'll get to it eventually with the rest of the season, but it, it just ruins the opportunity to develop. And if it's a concussion, that could just set him out for the rest of the season. And yeah, so hard to see Boquist go down like that. Just, uh, yeah, it was brutal, and I, there should have been way more of a penalty called. It should have been a game misconduct for sure. Basically, the young kids were a lot of the news for this week for the Hawks. Um, weirdly enough, I mean, the Hawks were out of the playoff spot by what was it like eight points or something like that. When were we talking? Uh, two weeks ago, it was about eight. And two weeks ago is when they were eight points out, right? Yes that the Hawks are out, I mean, do you think that, let's say this this delay in the season ends up not being a much of a delay at all, do you think the Hawks will stick with this plan of keeping these kids up and playing, or do you think that they're going to just either continue to cycle players through their roster, or do you think they'll just say, you know what, we want the core, or not the core, but the guys that we had a couple weeks ago finishing out the season? I mean, I think at this point, you kind of just ride it out with let the young kids go out there and maybe try to win. I, they're still not that far out of a playoff spot, but I think you, why ruin a development or ruin the plan? If you're going to still win while these kids are in there, then keep them in there just because there's no point of taking them out. As of right now, the Hawks sit six points back of a playoff spot. So if this season were to continue, uh, yeah, just let them play. I mean, six points is still quite a bit out with. 10 games remaining on the schedule, I believe. So there's no point of changing lineups or getting every other person to look. Just keep these kids, let them develop, and go from there. Okay, well, was that all that we have for the Hawks news this week? Yeah, that's really it. I mean, I covered Drake Kajula's injury very vaguely, but it was just sticking up for Adam Boquist. It looks like a hand injury and really not that big of a deal. Maybe I mean, I don't know if it's broken or not, but we'll see when the time comes. Well, moving into Wings World, then, the topics that are going down in Wings World, obviously, Detroit has not been good this season. I don't think anybody who is a Wings fan or has even watched the Wings for that matter this season would say otherwise. So they clinched the chance at first overall having the top odds. They also, for some weird reason, look like a half-decent hockey club now, even though they've basically guaranteed the bottom spot. And then also, Philip Sedina finally starting to skate on his own again. He got hurt a couple weeks ago. It was a shame because he was on a really nice little hot streak. He was playing good, getting top-line minutes with guys like Mantha and Larkin, but it's just a shame he went down and sort of sort of missed some prime time that he could have gotten. Um, first thing though, Detroit has officially clinched the best chances at the first overall in this upcoming draft. Detroit needs somebody, even if they don't get first overall, Detroit needs to get a difference maker at this draft, whether it's just adding center depth or potentially finding that top line winger to play with Larkin. The wings need to hit somebody in this draft. I mean, I believe it was one of the guys from TSN put it best. I mean, Dylan Larkin is a Jonathan Taves who does not have his Patrick Kane. If the Wings could pick up that Patrick Kane type player, 
the wings would be in a great spot at forward moving moving forward. I mean, they've got a decent group now, but if they could truly find that just I don't like to throw the word generational around, but very, very elite winger. That would be huge for Detroit this draft. Yeah, and now that they officially clinched the number one worst team and best odds, the worst you could go is four. So, I mean, granted, I know that's worst case scenario still, but four, I've said it many times already, you're picking top five in this draft, you're going to get a stud either way. So the Wings have put themselves in a solid position, and then along with having two second-round picks now this season, one's going to be a very high one, and then one we don't know about because of the Oilers. And so, yeah, the Wings are in a good spot. Now that, now that they officially got that number one, they could get their star in the first round and maybe get some pretty good talent in the second round just because it's a very deep draft. So a uh, great start to the rebuild for Eisenman, and you know maybe everything's starting to come to fruition. Detroit hasn't been good this season. I mean, hopefully, I mean, we've been pretty much talking about it all season, but really, hopefully the draft lottery balls fall in Detroit's favor. Um, I, I was looking it up online. I don't think they've drafted first overall since I want to say it was the early 80s, I believe. Yes. I mean, it, it has been a long time. So Detroit's had this pick coming. He actually did the math for it. If the league followed a math structure where you basically got the first overall pick every, what'll be 32 years now because of Seattle, you know, there's 32 teams. Therefore you get first overall every 32 years. Detroit is already up their pick and almost a half. And just a fun little tidbit, the Edmonton Oilers would not be due a first overall pick until, let's see, 2100. Yeah. (laughs) So, Either uh, way, I, I really yeah. hope Detroit gets this first. They need somebody who can be a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, if if it's the first, obviously it's Lafreniere, so uh, that would be the difference maker you need. Um, speaking of high-end players, though, and those high-end like wingers that Detroit needs, uh, Philip Sedina finally getting off of the injury bug and starting to skate on his own again. Unfortunately, he did not get the chance to play with Detroit before they put the halt on the season, but that's a great sign that he's already skating. Um, It was projected he was going to be at least, I think, another week instead, so he came back early, which is a good sign. Hopefully it's not too serious of an injury on his career, and that's just a good thing for Detroit. They need these high-end players being healthy. Yeah, and I guess he gets a little – he might not be 100%. He might not have been 100%, I should say, when he returned, but – I mean, now he gets a little more time to recover from the little that injury that he had, that nagging injury. So, yeah, I mean, good to see Zadina finally be back to health. And, you know, if this thing – I know we keep mentioning, but if this thing starts back up, you got a healthy Phillips Zadina and you get to see what you got for probably 10 more games. And then the last thing really to talk about in uh, the Red Wings is the fact that Detroit has actually looked like a half-decent team this last probably two weeks. I mean, I I can't put my finger on it. I've tried watching a lot of the game's replays more than once. Just something about Detroit has been clicking the past few games. Like, they're playing against some pretty decent competition, and they've actually been competitive. So I don't know if maybe Blaschel has changed some of his philosophies and formations, if it's just the specific pairings or it's 
just the fact that the stress of the season is kind of over for these guys. But Detroit has been playing very good this past week. I mean, beating two, well, beating one of the best teams in the league and then only losing by one goal to one of the other best teams and then beating a playoff hopeful. Like, Detroit's been just really, really good this past week. Yeah, they have been. They've been surprising. I mean, I think now that they clinched that number one spot, they got a little more, hey, let's, we, we can go give an effort out there now. We can clinch this thing up. So, yeah, they look very good against some very competitive teams. That's got to be a nice little reward for you guys for suffering all year. So, good for your – I mean, it's good for the fans just because I know you guys are loyal as it gets. You're through Detroit thick and thin and – you know, they, it's the end of the season, and they finally – they got hot and figured the season ends. So <laughs> it's suspended. So, uh, But, no, it's a great reward for you Detroit Red Wings fans. You guys deserve I, – as much as I bag on them and the rivalry that's still kind of there, a- after a long season, a team like this deserves a few, a few win streaks and a hot little run. The last piece of uh, news in Wingsland, Detroit has finally snapped – the losing streak against Tampa Bay. Detroit had lost 16 straight games to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they finally snapped it. So it doesn't matter at this point in the season, but they feel so good to say as a Wings fan. Like whenever we saw that matchup, you just you basically just penciled in the L. Yeah, I bet it feels even more sweet for Iserman. But uh, that's really it for Wings World in terms of actual news. Um, Nick, do you want to do the flash? Well, I mean, I guess we can't really do the flash forward, but the flashback before we get into this coronavirus deal, or do you want to just jump straight into that? Let's just get our team out of the way, our team stuff out of the way, I think, just because, I mean, really this whole episode's dedicated to the league. I know our news was kind of short for you guys that are listening, but, you know, with this outbreak going on and this hysteria, I think the biggest news is the coronavirus. So we'll get to that to basically wrap up the show. So yeah, let's go flashback. So unfortunately last week, something happened with our recording. So we didn't get to do a flashback or any of that for the week before that. So we'll just start with, I guess we'll just start at March and go from there. So on the second Detroit played against the Colorado Avalanche and lost 2-1. They played against the Chicago Blackhawks and one two one, they played against the Tampa Bay Lightning one five four, and then they lost to the Hurricanes five two on the tenth. So, like I said, Detroit has not actually looked that bad since the start of March. I mean, the Avalanche are a very good team. They lost by one goal, and Detroit actually made Colorado earn that win. They didn't roll over and die. They made Colorado absolutely earn that win. Chicago Blackhawks, kind of the same thing. I mean, Detroit actually competed this game. It was close. It wasn't just Chicago had a meltdown or Detroit had a meltdown. Both these teams were trading chances, but we'll talk about that game a little bit in more specifics. The Lightning game, Detroit kept on getting chances. They were having their chances go in. This, again, great back and forth with a team that is looking to be a cup hopeful. And then the Hurricanes game, Something just wasn't clicking. They looked great the first two periods. And then the third period, they took a couple bad penalties and just sort of fell apart in the third. So I have really liked Detroit since the start of March. It's basically, it's like 
the playoff hopes and the season's a wash. And then all of a sudden the guys decide, okay, season's over. Let's play and have some fun. And it's getting wins. Yeah. I mean, they went on a nice little run, you know, that's the season. Like you said, their season's basically a wrap. So let's go out there, have fun, win some games. Yeah. Go do something for the fans because they're showing up every night trying to get you guys going and hopefully go see a rare win. And the Detroit this past start of March, they they went out and did that. They played competitive hockey. They weren't getting embarrassed. And, you know, like I said earlier, nice little reward for you guys. A lot of Wings fans share mine and uh, David's sentiment. You know, going into the season, we all knew Detroit was not going to be good. But as long as the team has effort, that's what matters to a lot of fans. And Detroit had effort since the start of March. They've been in every single game. And I mean, you could look at the scoreboard for the Carolina game and say, well, they, they lost by three goals, which the scoreboard is not indicative of that game because towards the end of the game, it basically just was turning into a brawl. So it was just basically trading penalties for stuff like high sticking, check, like cross checking, fighting. Like Detroit didn't just roll over. It was the fact that it was a bunch of penalties for stuff like fighting that was really putting them down so it wasn't like Detroit rolled over and died this has been a great month so far for them Nick go ahead and walk me through the Hawks since the start of March all right so March 3rd the Blackhawks open up their March month with a 6-2 win against the Anaheim Ducks uh, a, <clears throat> a very good game all around from the Blackhawks you know just one of those games, they looked dominant from start to finish. I think the Blackhawks actually started trailing one nothing, and then they kind of just turned things on in that game. Came together as a group. So a nice win against the Ducks, a team they should be beating. And then Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers, that was a hell of a game. It was a game the Blackhawks kind of had in their grip, grip for most of it. Then, you know, they get into the penalty kill mode for their whole third period. That's basically how they play. And they held on. It was a the Oilers came out strong in the third. I think Drysdale was involved in all three goals. Go figure, kit guys just on an absolute tear. But the Blackhawks held on. Uh, something they're not very used to doing when it comes to the third period. They usually blow the lead just because they're they're not built for like they they could come back. They could come from behind. But when the Hawks have the lead in the third period, that's what I'm most worried because they just play like it's a penalty kill the whole period and just playing not to lose rather than playing to win. But the help, they hold on against a good Edmonton Oilers team, a tough Edmonton Oilers team. And then Friday, oh, my God, you come off a good game against the Oilers who are in a playoff team, and you lose to the Detroit Red Wings 2-1. to one. Uh, Like you said, Jordan, we'll get more into that one. Uh, and then the Blues, um, we mentioned this earlier, Drake Jula and Boquist go down. Just said pitiful effort. It was a brutal game. They lost 2 nothing and – it, to make matters worse, there was let's go blues chance just pounding throughout the United Center at the end of the game. So kind of embarrassing when a team broadcasts themselves and markets themselves. They they've been saying that this is like almost six hundred straight sellout games and blues fans chance are overwhelming the stadium. The Hawks just looked terrible in that game and a game you wanna beat your rivals, but it, it it was ugly. And then and then the eleventh this past Wednesday yesterday, the Hawks beat the Sharks six to two, an all-around great performance, and you know, like I said, Bodan looked great in that game, and then Kane, I think, had three points. So uh, the Hawks are still confusing, losing to the worst team, and then losing to your rival, and then beating three teams pretty handedly. So uh, yeah, it's that was the Hawks' week. So 
let's talk about in specifics the Blackhawks and Red Wings game because I mean it's rivalry week or that's a rivalry game. It happens twice a year, so it doesn't happen often. Um, thankfully, it happened before this league shutdown deal. Um, what were your opinions on the game? Like, what was the deciding factor when you watched it? Well, I don't know about you, Jordan, but it kind of felt like it had that feel when we went to the game. The Red Wings dominated the first period. Like, they did that in game one against the Hawks, too. They just outplayed them, outworked them. And I'm like, this I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna get too worried because I've seen this story before. Maybe the Hawks come out in the second with a little more fire. That still wasn't the case. The Red Wings just outplayed the Hawks in every area of the ice, the offensive zone, the defensive zone, the neutral zone. The Red Wings just controlled the game. I, I don't know if the Hawks came out tired from a back to back, but statistically this year the Hawks have played well on the second game of back to back. So I thought maybe that would continue, especially against the worst team in the league. So I think the Blackhawks not being able to produce on their special teams was a big issue. I think they went 0 for 3 that night on the power play, and that's been an everlasting issue this past two seasons now. So I think the Red Wings just, they outfought the Hawks. They deserved it. They outplayed them completely in every area of the game. So, And Bernier also had a great game. I think he denied to bring it twice. One was on a cross-crease pass, and to bring it just hit. It looked like right before the skate on the pad. So Bernie played a great game, and yeah, and Detroit with a depressing win. I think the reason, like the thing that won this game for the Wings, it was just I really think that they did a good job of clogging up the neutral zone. I mean, I don't think Chicago's transition game is very strong. If I'm being completely honest, I think once you guys get actual possession in the opposing zone. You guys get a lot better, but I th- really think that you guys have a hard time transitioning through the neutral zone. And that even happened when they played down in Chicago this year. I noticed it just seemed like you guys were constantly either handing the puck over or it was being stolen from you in that zone. And I mean, on top of that, I mean, like you said, Bernier had a great game this game. I mean, what did he make, like 32 or 33 saves? Yeah, I think it was 32. I mean, it, it, I think it's also that as well. I mean, Crawford didn't really have a bad game either. I mean, what he he got was it twenty three out of twenty five. Yes. It it's not like this was a heavily skewed game, but it just I really felt like Chicago could not get solid chances and generate like a setup in the offensive zone. It sort of almost felt like they were trying to chip for offense, and that doesn't really work against hot goaltenders. And I, I, going back to their transition game, I think you're completely right. And I, the reason why I think that is just why they struggle at it, I should say, is they really have controlled entries when Patrick Kane's on the ice. If it's not Patrick Kane making a controlled entry, I feel like they're a dump and chase team after that. And they have too many skilled players to be playing dump and chase. They don't have physical bodies. Oh, not many of them, I should say. And so they rely on Patrick Kane with a controlled zone entry. And other than that, they play dump and chase. And, with the build of our roster, you really can't do that. You have skilled players, and they have better games when they enter the zone more control, and they just seem to kind of transition away from it every couple of weeks, and it really doesn't make sense because that's when they look worse. And I don't know if it's a coaching thing or a player thing, but it's frustrating to this point. The thing, like, I mean, Detroit – 
Detroit's not a skill team by any means. Detroit is still one of the bigger teams in the league. They don't have a lot of like the small, fast, finesse guys. So the fact that the Hawks, in my opinion, really resorted to dump and chase, they played right into where the Wings want to be playing. I mean, you guys don't have a lot of the bigger bodied forwards. Like, I mean... Justin Applicator is a fairly big guy, but also just a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi who's not afraid to go to the boards and start digging it. Guys like, oh my gosh, I hate to say it, but Jonathan Erickson, these bigger bodied defensemen who when they throw their bodies will absolutely smack you down. Like, I feel like you guys played almost just right into the wing strengths. And that's right there, a coaching issue. You, your job is to prepare your team for your opponent. And I know it's a back-to-back, and you really can't focus on that game until literally that the day of because you're coming off a nice win against the Oilers. But you have scouting departments. You have other coaches to help you out. And Jeremy Colleton just, played, like you said, played right into the wings' hands. You're going against a more physical team, and the Blackhawks decided to go enter the zone a more physical way by sending their players along the boards and trying to go get to the puck. And you're not going to win games like that with smaller players. So it's – it was, I believe it or not, I think Blashill outcoached Jeremy Carlton that game. My goodness. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say he outcoached him. I'd say he had he had the better roster to take advantage of Carlton, or, uh, Carlton's mistake. Maybe, maybe even it's just Carlton outcoached Carlton. Like, he overthought it and thought it was going to be an easy win and got embarrassed. Jeff Blashill actually knows Jedi mind tricks. He just told like he just told Colleton, "You want to play dump and chase?" As he waves his hand from the other bench. Uh, the funny thing is, the Hawks tried to do that against the Blues too, which is why they lose two nothing. And then, like, oh, maybe we should go back to the controlled zone entries, you know, when we went on a winning streak. And they did that against the Sharks, and they completely dominate them. So it, they they don't make sense. The Hawks don't make sense, and it's frustrating. We're not gonna really have a flash forward this week because. I mean, the season's sort of postponed right now. Um, who would you say has been the player of the month so far for Chicago? I mean, I'm sorry to be so repetitive, but it's got to be Patrick Kane. Uh, maybe if not Kane, I think it would be DeBrinkin. I think he came off a two-goal game recently. I, I can't re- recall what exact game it was, but he's starting to find the back of the net, which is good, You know, especially for a guy you're paying $6.5 now starting next season. But Patrick Kane, he's just on the score sheet every night. He's scoring goals. I think he's at 32 now. He has he leads the Blackhawks. He's I think he had two assists against the Sharks, a goal and two assists, so a three point night. So it's got to be Kaner. Uh, sorry to be so repetitive, you fans, but you can throw Kane in there every week. So I try to get creative with it sometimes, but this week it's been or this past month it's been all Patrick Kane. How about you for Player of the Week, Jordan? Um. Player so far for this month, I really have to go with Tyler Bertuzzi. It just seems like he's always on the scoreboard, whether it's via an assist or a goal. I mean, look at this really quick because I'm—I think every game except for the uh, Avalanche game, he was on the score sheet for. So, yep, one of the goals uh, for the Hawks was his. Uh, one of the Lightning goals was his. Uh, also, four-point night for that matter versus the Lightning. Hurricanes game, he had uh, what was it? He had one of the goals for that game. Like he just, he's been, he has been on fire this past month. So that's who my player of the month is. All right. Like I said, unfortunately, we uh, we can't do a flash forward, so we're gonna have to skip that portion of the episode. So let's go ahead and just jump into the 
big news because, I mean, that's really all there is to talk about for the rest of the league right now. So for anybody who happens to be living under a rock, there's this virus going around called the coronavirus. It's It came out of China. It's spread, and it basically, from what I understand, gives you flu-like symptoms, and you, we've like a couple of people have died from it, but it hasn't really hit a ton of people proportion-wise. Meaning, like, if it's hit 100,000 people, it hasn't killed, you know, like 15 to 20% of them. It, it's still in the very low single digits. Basically like the common, or like the uh, the flu, but a touch higher, I think. But anyway, so the NHL ended up saying that we're going to postpone the season from this point out until they decide they're going to restart it back up. We don't know for sure or for certain when the season will start back up. We don't know what's going to happen with the playoffs. We don't know what's going to happen with draft lottery order. We don't know what's going to happen with like ticket sales or advertising or anything like that. There's just a lot of unknowns right now, but all we really have to go on right now is the statement that Gary Bettman put out and I'm going to read it to you. So this is what the statement that the NHL put out says. In light of ongoing developments resulting from the coronavirus and after consulting with medical experts and convening a conference call of the Board of Governors, the National Hockey League is announcing today that it will pause the 2019-20 season beginning with tonight's games. The NHL has been attempting to follow the mandates of health experts and local authorities while preparing for any possible developments without taking premature or unnecessary measures. However, following last night's news that an NBA player has tested positive for coronavirus, and given that our league shares so many facilities and locker rooms, and it now seems likely that some member of the NHL community would test positive at some point, it is no longer appropriate to try to continue to play games at this time. We will continue to monitor all the appropriate medical advice, and we will encourage our players and other members of the NHL community to take all reasonable precautions, including by self-quarantine where appropriate. Our goal is to resume play as soon as it is appropriate and prudent, so that we will be able to complete the season and award the Stanley Cup. Until then, we thank NHL fans for your patience and hope you stay healthy. So that's basically the statement that the NHL put out. What are your thoughts on this, Nick? Because I... I've got very strong thoughts on it. Do you want thoughts on the coronavirus affecting everything or like how I, I feel, how I feel about the coronavirus or how I feel about the statement? Well, I guess I would say the coronavirus in general, and then also the statement and like what the league's doing. All right. So I'll start off with the statement just because it, my thoughts about it are very quick. I, I agree. If that's, if you got to follow the NBA just because you, like he said, you're sharing so many stadiums together and it's a promising sign that it sounded like they want to eventually continue this season and award the Stanley Cup champion. That's a very positive sign from Batman. So I'm all right with that. But to my thoughts about the coronavirus in general, I think, you know, I, I don't want to come off and say, I know it's a deal right now. Like I'm not making light of it. It's a disease. It's a virus going around and it is, it is killing people. The flu also kills people, kills more people than the coronavirus. So with that all being said, I think we're, it's a media hysteria kind of thing. 
I think it's like someone being sick. Sure, it's spreading like wildfire right now. Uh, maybe the numbers a little are a little fabricated because this has probably been out way earlier than the media has announced it being out. But I think it's just another sickness. It's killing elderly people and younger people, which often other diseases do. So I, I'm kind of on board with it just being a little bit blown out of proportion, but it, you got to take precautionary measures. You got to protect your fans. You got to protect the players. So I understand why it's the season's being suspended, but it sucks. But yeah, again, I just think it's kind of blown out of proportion. So I guess you got to do what you got to do. Follow every league, what they're doing right now. So I agree with the league's sentiment about protecting players and the fact that, you know, the NBA, like the statement says, shares a lot of facilities with the NHL. I get you're trying to protect players, and I understand, and I actually agree with that. I agree with the fact that you're trying to protect fans, but my feeling on it is this. Washing your hands when you're sick, or before you get sick for that matter, staying home when you don't feel good, those and like a couple other things are just really basic measures that you should be taking all year round anyway to keep yourself healthy. Do I absolutely acknowledge that this virus has killed people? Yes, but you can't sit here and live in fear of the fact that you might get sick from something because this is an airborne virus. It will come in contact with you anyway at some point. There's no way around it. Either somebody that you work with will have it and not even know they have it, you come in contact with them. It'll naturally drift through the air. I mean... This thing has been floating around for a while now. At this point, shutting down arenas isn't going to stop it from spreading. Now, should the league be taking measurements like, you know, putting like hand sanitizer stations up? Yes. Making sure everything is cleaned constantly? Yes. But I just think there's so much hysteria going around with this whole thing in general that is so unnecessary. I mean... We see the flu every year and it makes people sick and kills people, but we don't shut down society for it. I feel like this is basically just another form of the flu. Eventually a vaccine will get me will be made. And then it'll be one of those things where just every year, you know, you go get your coronavirus shot or whatever, and that'll be the end of it. I feel like it's being just blown so out of proportion right now. Yeah. I mean, at least the NHL, NBA are suspending their seasons and not completely canceling it. I mean, we've seen news come out today. March Madness got canceled. The rest of college softball and spring sports completely canceled. So we're seeing like seniors who might be in their last moments of their sports careers, which is sad. They're not going to be able to play one final game. It just kind of ends abruptly. So it, it, I think, like you said, people are taking it out of proportion. They should be taking these precautionary measures every day, washing your hands, just being hygienic itself, and go from there. It just it's another it's another disease, another sickness. Sure, it's killing people, but every disease kills someone. I mean, people die from the like I like you said and I said people die from the flu. We don't cancel sporting events because people are in the flu. You don't go to them when you're sick. You if you work, you don't go. Players will stay home if they're not feeling well. So, I mean, it sucks. Uh, we don't have – we're not going to have any sports on our TV for the time being until further notice. I know specifically for Illinois that 
even if this season gets back going and they want to play the regular season until May, the Blackhawks won't be having fans in their stadium because our governor announced that no sporting events will have fans until May 1st. So yeah, now, uh, now we just wait. I, there's a lot of questions to be answered about the coronavirus, like for the league, if it were to end, when does the season start back up? So I don't know if you want to get into that or if you got more to talk about the disease in general. I mean, I think that's probably the something we could do is just sort of speculate right now. I mean, say the season gets put on hold. How does that work with the playoffs? Because, I mean, there are teams right now who are very much fighting for playoff spots. I mean, does the season pick up where the schedule's at right now? And then you play these games that are supposed to be getting played right now in the summer, and then the playoffs are in the fall, and then there is no real offseason for hockey this year? Because that has got to be a legitimate question, right? You can't just tell these teams that are fighting for a playoff spot right now, nope, you don't get to play for a playoff spot. You got screwed. Yeah, that's one of these things because, you know, there's teams getting hot right now or teams on the brink of the playoffs, just a couple wins and bounces go their way. They could be in a playoff spot. I mean, if they just wanted to go straight to the playoffs right now, imagine all the teams getting screwed that are two points off back or four points back, or maybe even a point back. It, it sucks. I mean, it takes away – one, teams that are rolling right now and on a win streak heating up that are on the outside looking in, that takes away their hot stretch. And then two, it's team like playoff teams that might not deserve it, teams that are in the playoffs but are struggling. So if they decided to go right into the playoffs when the season eventually gets started back up again, there there's going to be a lot more issues right after this disease because there's going to be some upset fan bases, upset ownerships, upset Players, it's going to – this only results to more issues coming up forward. Uh, the other thing to really – or that I really think about is, I mean, what does it also mean for the draft if they call it a season right now? Like, I feel like it's not really fair to determine draft order right now based on standings either because, I mean, again, whether your team is in the playoff or not, that matters for the draft. That determines whether you're getting uh, the chance to draft a top three pick or not. I mean, ending the season right now, I feel like there's almost no fair way to handle these things that are based on chance. Yeah, but I mean, I, if that's the case, I mean, that's really their only option. They can't add more lottery teams or more lottery, a higher lot, and maybe raise lottery odds for the number one pick to the worth like for like Detroit, maybe raise their odds a little bit. But I really feel like they're not going to touch that because. I mean, out of all things, like that's still a big issue. Don't get me wrong, but it's more of the minor issues with all the other things. But still, yeah, there's a lot to be determined with that, just because again, it's a game of chance with the lottery. So there could be some teams getting screwed that don't deserve a high, that deserve a higher spot that probably will, that might not get it. So it really all depends on what they want to do with the rest of the season, if there is going to be a rest of the season. Uh, and then another thing I was also thinking about, Jordan, if, I mean, I know it's most of the season completed, but what about player contracts? Or, I mean, imagine teams that went all in at the trade deadline and not being able to really utilize these players and their contracts ending if they want to cancel the season. Like that, they, they gave up future assets to go all out to win a Stanley Cup. And if they cancel this season, what's going to happen with that? Just because, like, you gave up draft picks, you gave up prospects, 
to go get stars or go get players that are going to contribute to a Stanley Cup, they cancel the season. Where do you go from there? Like, do you add another year on the contract of these guys? That's it. I mean, halting the season like this, it changes everything. And I mean, we like we'd have to assume, right, that this if this delay lasts long enough, they'll just cancel the season because I can't see them telling players you're not going to have an off-season break at all to rest back up after playing in the playoffs. Because, I mean, what is it? Say the season starts back up in about a month and a half, and I say that to be very generous because I'm sure all sorts of safety measures will be gone through to make sure that nothing's like contaminated or anything like that. We'll say a month and a half. That means that you're not even finishing, or sorry, starting to finish these games for this season until, let's see, May. So you're going to play the rest of this season through May, leads you to June. June to July will probably be like your first two or to three rounds of the playoffs. You're not finishing those playoffs until August. The preseason's in September. Yeah, I mean, like you said, a month and a half, being patient with that or, yeah, waiting it out. But, I mean, maybe some alternative options are, it kind of sucks, but lowering the series to five games. I think I read something like lower the first three rounds to five games and the Stanley Cup to seven. That eliminates about 12 weeks right there. I don't know if it's three or five. I read it wrong. It was a while ago. So, there's, uh, it's tough. I mean, you have to consider the series length now. And then, obviously, like, there's no good result to Suspended the season. I know they kind of had to because of everything going on, but there's just so many questions left to be answered. And I get they're at the point right now where they're just letting the future of the league just answer itself because they, they, Gary Batman and Bill Daly, they have no answers for what they're going to do if this season resumes. One thing I want to get your opinion on this one. What do you think that the teams in the league do right now, now that the games are suspended? Like, do you think they tell players, hey, show up to wherever the practice location is at? We're still going to be practicing. We're going to be hosting like team scrimmages. Like, what do you think that the teams do at this point? Because, I mean, these teams are, play- are paying these players, you know, big dollars. And I see a team wanting to pay a guy to just literally have a break from the season and not practice, to not keep up to shape with like the team's schemes and play styles. Like, something like that is something that a lot of these teams look into or do you think they'll look at the players and just say the season's done everybody needs to be fully rested and completely ready for next season uh what i read earlier actually on twitter is the nhl players have been sent home they're they're going home they're not with the team they're going with their families because i mean really how long can you keep like people that are traded players that were traded their their homes are back where they started the season at so, I mean, how long can you keep away a player from his family if they're not really at work or doing what they're paid to do? So they're at home right now. The NBA didn't do that. But the all I think, to my understanding, what I read on Twitter today, all NHL players are going home. That's something I've kind of thought about. Like, I mean, Do you think that the uh, idea of playing to like an empty crowd somewhere could be something that the league thinks about? I mean, because they'd have to scramble for it, but... The league does have sponsorship deals with, you know, these media corporations. I mean, 
at some point the league's going to want to make some of that money back just on like a dollars and cents deal. Do you think maybe you'll start seeing like games where the stands are completely empty? Uh, you know, I think that's where you get backlash from ownership because then they lose money. And I mean, sure. The league will still make money off TV deals, but the owners are going to lose money because there's no asses in the seats. They're not selling food. They're not selling drinks. They're not selling tickets. They're not selling parking spots. So I, I think owners would be against it having an empty stadium because they're they, they're paying their players. They're not making any money. I mean, yeah, they got their sponsorships that are to be shown on TV, but they're not making anywhere near the amount of money that they would be making if fans were there. This definitely throws a lot of hiccups into the whole system for the NHL. I mean, obviously, you have to put people's safety first. That's a given. But <sighs> this is really messed with the season if it goes on for too long. And to make light of everything, uh, I mean, not, before I actually even make light of it, the only time the NHL has seen something like this was 100 years ago in 1919 where they were in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup playoffs and a tie was declared because uh, I forgot what disease it was. Let me check. Sorry. Uh, it was some kind of influenza that was spreading. And they canceled the season in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so this is a, it's been 100 years since something like this has happened in the NHL. Obviously, there's been lockouts and stuff like that. But we are in almost done with the season. So this is throwing a curveball, a wrench in everybody's plans. And as I was going to the point earlier, to make light of it, if the season were to cancel, Hawks fans, cover your ears, the Blues would be reigning Stanley Cup champions for another year. <sighs> Kill me. Uh, uh, somebody on, I think it was on Facebook. They posted this thing. It said if the Stanley Cup were awarded based on like standings, Boston would win it. So it's not like one of those things where we want the winner to be given based on like current standings in the NHL either. Like th- this is a no win for either of our franchises if the season ends today. Yeah, and I mean, hell, that's gonna it throws. I mean, what what are we gonna do? I mean, my life resol- revolves around sports, watching Chicago sports, and. You know, baseball has postponed their their opening day. NBA, I really don't care about, but they canceled. March Madness is canceled. NHL is canceled. Literally everything you could think of. So now we just kind of sit here and we're gonna watch the news. I guess that's what we do now. Oh my gosh, there's gonna be just nothing to watch for like the next four or five months on TV. I mean, even Sports Center, they're just having like replay shows for the next however long this is going to be. So, uh, this is just be, pre- be prepared for some uh, boring times. And maybe we might collect in on a new uh, Baby Boomers day in nine to 10 months because people are going to be home all day with nothing to do. So, uh, yeah, expect a lot of kids being born in nine to 10 months, too. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what would you call it? You'd call would you call it like the Corona boom? Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean I Corona boom every Friday night with uh, Corona Extra or Corona Light, but yeah, I think that'd be the that'd be the generation they'd be called the Coronas or the Corona Boomers, or I mean, it's all gonna be looked down upon. Or I mean, a few months down the road, we're gonna laugh at. I feel like we're gonna laugh at how blown out of proportion this was, but right now we kind of have to take it serious, so. Yeah, I mean, nine to ten months, the Corona Boomers are going to be crawling around places near you. Gosh, and I want to make sure everybody knows that we're not taking 
this lightly, but I think Nick, me and you both agree, this is a serious situation, but this is not like an apocalypse right now situation. Like it seems like the news is painting it to be like the news is making this sort of coming off as this. Everyone's going to be dying in a couple months. Like the world is over. Like this is not what it is. No. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're not making light of it. I know it's a serious topic, but yeah, don't maybe don't believe everything the news says because it's often blown out of proportion. Like you see stores that are running out of paper towel, toilet paper, cleaning supplies. Like, ah, come on. And then they're char- like the other day, I or my one of my family members went to the store. They spent twenty bucks on toilet paper, just one one bag of toilet paper. Like it's- this is this is getting ridiculous. Like it's not the apocalypse, like you said. It has been good for like memes, though. I saw, I saw one that had a uh, guy who he made a toilet bowl, not a toilet bowl. He made a uh, a toilet out of paper towel. I thought that was pretty creative. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna. Like, it's the internet. We're not gonna be. We can't be a hundred, hundred percent complete serious sometimes because, I mean, in time, and like, there's people out there that are scared. And you kind of just got to make light of a situation. I mean, sure, it's kind of sucks that, I mean, like, it, right now it seems like we're not coming around across as serious. But, you know, let's just try to enjoy life. I mean, now that there's no sports, maybe enjoy time with our family as much as that might suck for some people. But, yeah, this is a time where we just got to come strong and, you know, stay healthy and wash our hands, be precaution, and just be smart. And, yeah, just watch out for yourselves out there. That's it. Like, wash your hands. Careful what you're touching. If you're sick, stay home. And just make sure, like, you're practicing basic cleanliness and you'll probably be okay. I mean, that's really all we can do at this point. And that's basically what we already do for the flu anyway. So, I mean, something will happen. Either they'll find a cure or a vaccine or something for it. And in a couple of years, this isn't going to be a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I think that with all that being said, that uh, great advice we gave. Uh, as for the rest of our sh- for our show going forward, what do you, what are we gonna do? Maybe just give coronavirus updates every week. <laughs> every, oh, I feel like that could. I feel like that might actually be in bad taste. So no, yeah, you're listening to another episode of the Sick Blade Podcast. Uh, the season's still not back on. Have a good evening. <laughs> no, what? Yeah. We'll have to figure out what we're doing for the next couple weeks and sort of get a game plan together because I don't want to give you guys content that's not meaningful, that doesn't have any sort of value to you guys. So we'll have a schedule that we figure out in the next couple weeks. Um, Until we decide on that, though, we'll have to sort of evaluate what we think the podcast can do moving forward until the season resumes. Obviously next season we're going to be in full swing. It's not anything like the podcast is going to be canceled. At least I'm not planning to cancel the podcast, but we'll just, we'll have to see, you know, what does our schedule look like? Are there other topics to cover in the hockey world still? I mean, there's, there's always stuff to talk about. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're just going to play it by ear probably. Uh, as of right now, probably don't expect a show every week just because, like you said, we, we want to give quality content. And 
there's really no quality content to give after this being announced. So we're going to, we'll be talking, we'll be in, we'll be in cahoots with each other. Uh, we'll plan our shows accordingly. So don't plan on an episode next week unless for some reason the season starts back up, but just keep your eyes out. We'll be dropping one soon enough. I mean, worst case scenario, we will give you guys an update either via Twitter or we'll release like a little snippet here as like a podcast that is giving you guys an update of what the plans are for the rest of this season. But we will give you guys an update. It's just a matter of us figuring out what the update is. So don't, you know, unsub or unfollow or whatever. We will continue to put out content. It's just a matter of figuring out a schedule that works and actually provides meaningful com- content to you. Yeah, and if you really miss our voices, go back and past episodes. If you're a new listener, go check out some of our old stuff. Uh, there's a few, you know, funny moments in uh, our thoughts on other situations. Like we have the fan mail questions that we answer that go down that often go down a trip down memory lane. So yeah, if you guys miss us that much, go listen to our old episodes, boost those ratings a little bit. Um, speaking of fan mail, uh, I don't see anything in the fan mail this week, so we don't have that segment. Um, oh yeah, no fan mail this week, so that segment is is not here. So I mean, I guess we kind of just have to wrap tonight's episode. I mean, kind of a short one, but not a ton of news and wings and Hawksland. And I think we pretty much said everything that we could say about this coronavirus ordeal that's going down. Um, do you have anything to add before we close out, Nick? Yeah, before we close out, just want to say uh, stay safe, be smart, wash your hands, and, uh, you know, we're going to stay strong in this and come out on the other side a better half. So uh, be careful, guys. Just stay healthy. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much my advice as well. Um, but that's pretty much going to be it for the episode tonight, guys. Um, if you liked what you guys heard, feel free to give us a like, a follow, a share, whatever the social media currency is where you found us. You can either find us on SoundCloud or Twitter. The direct SoundCloud link is soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast. And then on iTunes, you just type in stickbladepodcast. We'll pop up there. You can also find us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at stickbladepod. Again, that's at stickbladepod. All one word, no hyphens or dashes or anything like that. And then if you want to get in touch with the podcast via email, you can email the podcast at stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. So plenty of ways to get in touch with the podcast if you want to. We love reading your guys' questions, comments, uh, rude remarks, whatever kind of fun stuff you want to throw our way. We haven't gotten anything in a while, though, so maybe if you throw one our way, it'll be the first one we'll have in a couple episodes. So we look forward to hearing from somebody, hopefully. But with all that being said, for your host, Jordan Linscott, and my co-host, Nick LePage, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Go Blackhawks and go Red Wings. Maybe.